We like the Blazers. That's the name of the podcast. Brandon Goldner is the name of me. And through the screen in the United States, unbelievable, wearing a CJ McCollum jersey, still repping CJ. Shout out to you. It is Rob Hetherington. Rob, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, everyone? Really excited to be here on this show. Heck yeah. So like you and I, I mean, we've known each other through Twitter for like a second or two, um, but we are now on the Trailcasters Discord as my video just did my video just freeze for you. There it goes. It sure did. It looked like um, it looked like one of those like trippy promotions in the 90s for like Disney movies. There were like zaps (laughs) everywhere. Yes. Uh, given my age, that actually wouldn't be too far off. Uh, and now my camera is not in high def. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Rob, you and I are currently on the Trailcasters Discord, so you should totally check that out if you want to chat with other Blazers fans. I'm not on Twitter as much. I have been using the We Like the, Tw- we like the Blazers Twitter account. Um, but Rob, why don't you give people like just a small hit of your history as a Blazers fan or someone who follows the team and the work that you've done in the past and kind of what's led you to here? Oh, man. OK, so uh, Blazers fan uh, growing up in the Buffalo, New York area. I uh, a lot of it was heavily football growing up. Um, and then I really just fell in love with basketball with the game in regards to just the amount of like thought that goes into it, shooting, guarding and everything, the different calibers that go into it. Um, and with that, I started watching the NBA, you know, like my first season playing and everything. And uh, with that, um, I kind of started watching the Knicks just being New York. And that was the local channel, even though we're like hundreds of miles away from New York City. Wait, um, and, and so then, what year was that? Sorry. Oh gosh, <laughs> it, uh, it it seems like half my it was half my lifetime ago now, but um, not that long ago, really. Probably like around like 2013, I would say okay. 2012. So um, was, that was, the, was that the Mellow Knicks at that point? Yes, yeah. Okay, got um, it. Yeah. Had had stat for a while, and it was really more stat for me that came in, and I was just like, this dude, this dude can. Can I swear on this show? Hell yeah. Uh, Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> that dude's a fucking that beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, I saw, you know, I didn't know what the seven seconds or less suns were yet or anything like that um, until much later on. But, uh, and then just seeing how Carmelo could kind of play the ISO game and create shots and make people fall away before he even put up the shot and it was open, stuff like that. And then, um, Next pivotal point would probably be before I became a Blazers fan would be seeing Steph Curry drop his game at the garden. Um, and then seeing Lillard um, on national TV in the playoffs was the next step against teams like golden state. Um, I don't think they played them around that time really much, but um, in the playoffs, but yeah. So just seeing Dame regularly do things that like, you know uh, the like, big market teams have a guy do like every three weeks, um, <laughs> see him do that on a regular basis, uh, made me fall in love with the blazers, him in LA. Um, and then fast forward about five years from then, um, I really wanted to start doing the team podcasts and, um, I joined on at blazing the path and, um, it was a really fun adventure 
getting to talk to a lot of great people, um, like yourself, I mean, I mean, a lot of people virtually in the Blazers realm yep. being that far across the country. Um, but it was just a team like, you know, I loved and knew that much about, and I felt, um, doing that show for the two years I did, um, that it would really help me in the future because I felt like if I started off doing a show about a team that, um, I felt would help other people get into basketball and enjoy basketball more with how I talked about them. You know, I, uh, felt like I'd be doing something right. So, um, yeah. got to do that and then kind of met a lot more of the Blazers fear doing that show. Um, uh, looking for guests and everything and, um, coming across guys like you. Um, and then, uh, Bowen Biggs. Um, I was on the, we have a take podcast. Um, yes. that was one really awesome thing. And yeah, just, just that kind of thing. Um, and then I try to, I know one thing we're probably going to talk about here relating to like other teams, the NBA and how they relate to the Blazers. That's really something I thought was uh, a really novel idea <laughs> when I, um, I started really wanting to get invested into it time-wise. Um, I was on the hashtag Lakers show and, uh, we, we talked, uh, Corbin Ford and I at the time was my host. Uh, now he's, um, doing a lot of podcasts with the, um, Phoenix Mercury. And yeah, so Thanks. we, we did that show and we talked about Carmelo's, um, possible impact on the Lakers at the time to date one that was, <laughs> um, <laughs> And when he was going there over that summer. And so that's when I, I really uh, felt like this is something I wanted to do the rest of my life, you know? So um, really happy nice. to be here. Uh, really happy to talk about the Blazers. Heck yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like what have you, so I've taken a lot from podcasting because I have, you know, I started at Blazers edge and I co-hosted the weekend podcast. And then I started uh, the trail casters with, with Keith and went out on my own and did, I like the blazers and then Ryan joined and now it's, we like the blazers. So like, I feel like I've been doing, you know, talking stupid opinions about the blazers for a couple of years, but I've honestly, I've learned a lot about myself doing this. And like, I'm a pretty self-conscious person. Like I can be a little anxious, a little socially anxious. And like, I feel like, first of all, like doing stuff like this has gotten me more comfortable talking with people, particularly virtually. Um, and it definitely gave me a head start. Like, honestly, when COVID hit, people were going remote and doing video stuff. I felt like I was way ahead. Like, ah, I've already done this for a while. But also, like, listening back to your voice. Like, I edit these podcasts myself. I don't always listen to every second of it. But I listen to a decent amount of every show I've ever done. And I, man, I judge the hell out of myself. I really do. Like, I listen. I'm like... I have filler words. Why did I say it that way? Or even just like what I say in my takes. Um, but I feel like it's helped me <laughs> in my personal life, get a little bit more comfortable. I feel like it's also helped me in my career and my job, just get more comfortable, um, you know, talking and, and being wrong about stuff, honestly, and just having to listen to it. So I guess this is a long way of asking, what have you learned about yourself or about what you want to do in your work, um, or what you want to do for fun. Like, what have you learned as you have done podcasting over the, over time? I love the question. Um, as someone, uh, who was basically diagnosed with OCD, like the first time I like brought it up to, you know, like a mental health professional, <laughs> um, I, same thing. Uh, my girlfriend actually just asked me right before I told her, um, 
I was going to be doing the show that, um, she was like, Oh, you know, you, you kind of, uh, you do better. Like when you're, you're moving around and stuff, talking, thinking about things. It's like, no, I I actually, um, planned on sitting down (laughs) and, um, and, and really having like a one-to-one conversation, obviously, um, in a group podcast, those are awesome in the same way. It's almost like one-to-one at a lot of points. Um, but it's, it's really taught me to put myself out there as far as the thoughts I have and that you can, despite your, I don't know if it applies to everyone, but I know a lot of people struggle with it. Despite your feelings that your thoughts can't be processed in a conversation to be like acceptable or accurate. Um, on like on the fly, you can, you really come up with some intelligent shit. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. when you're, when you're really passionate about something, maybe you don't even know you're passionate about it, but if you don't start talking about it, you're, you're never going to find out. So that's, that's definitely the biggest thing I've learned. Dang. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that actually, that gets me thinking that like that same, same here too, where it's like, Sometimes I'll listen back or someone will say like, Hey, that was really cool. What you said. And I'm like, really? Cause again, like I was just like judging the hell out of myself for that. Like it, you liked it. Like, or that sounded pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like just to put a bow on this and then as we move into the show, like if you're listening to this and you've never done podcasting before, give it a try or like reach out to me, like come on and like, just talk about the blazers. It's fun. And like, yeah, I do think that a lot of us who maybe, aren't as comfortable doing something like this. Like we do have a lot to offer and like, just, I don't know, keep that in mind and like put yourself out there. And like, there are a lot of cool people who've helped me and I'm sure who have helped you. Um, and if you're listening, we'll help you too, because I mean, I'd like to think that Blazers fans in particular, that, you know, we can be sarcastic and kind of annoying, especially on Twitter, but like, we're a good bunch. Um, that's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, let's talk about the team. Um, I wanted to do kind of a quick, um, look back to the 2022, 23 season. Uh, and Holy shit. What a season it was. I'll tell you, I was pretty disappointed at times. Um, I'm actually feeling rather encouraged about the future. Um, although we're kind of on the razor's edge of what's going to happen with Damian Lillard, what's going to happen with the franchise. Uh, when Ryan is back, I'm sure he and I will go over a bunch of this stuff on future episodes, but for this one, wanted to talk with Rob about what happened during the season and what we think about how that's going to impact next season and beyond. And Rob, I don't think there's a better place to start than with Shaden Sharp, the 19 year old out of Canada who didn't play any college basketball whatsoever was a huge mystery coming to the draft or the Blazers drafted him at seven. And there were a lot of really smart people, including I remember specifically Mike Richmond of the locked on blazers podcast. I was washing my car in my mother-in-law's driveway, listening on these very earphones to Mike talking about Shaden Sharp before the season. And essentially Mike was saying, look, I'm not going to be disappointed if this guy doesn't play, he hasn't played any college basketball. He kind of has an NBA body. I mean, he's not huge, but like, but the point is like, he may not be ready for rotation minutes on a team that wants to win. Uh, and instead to Chauncey Billups's credit, and I'm sure we'll get to Chauncey Billups in a second. Shaden Sharp played 80 games out of an 82 game season, uh, 22 minutes a game, right under 10 points a game um, on 47% shooting and 36% from deep on three and a half three point attempts. 
uh, but really kind of blew up right during the end of the season when the Blazers were tanking. Uh, and in those last two games, I wish that I had already pulled this up in front of me and I'm going to basketball reference. And I'm trying to click on it now, but those last 10 games, Shane Sharp in 36 minutes was averaging 23.7 points, six boards, four dimes, shooting eight threes a game, being the first option facilitating his ball handling got so much better throughout the year, but now I'm actually stepping on your opinion. Let me take a step back. I'm just going to pose this to you. So that's a lot of setup for this. Shaden Sharp, Rob, what's your take on the season that Shaden Sharp had and why does it matter for the Blazers, you know, moving forward next year and beyond? Well, I got to say, um, as a segue into it, um, when I first came across you and we entered cahoots in the Blazers podcast slash fandom sphere on Twitter, um, I pegged you as a pessimist. Um, in hindsight, that was a low point in Blazers history as far as front office moves, things like that. Really an upbeat guy, really a great. And I knew you're upbeat, but like really, really realistic that um, if, you know, a team puts their mind to it, it's a team. Like if you give it all, there's teams out there that just do not have that work ethic and you're going to destroy them. <laughs> uh, so I really got to say that. Um, and to go off of that, I think uh, it's rightly so that um, you're optimistic for Shaden Sharp. And I am too, that when you, when you mentioned his stats, just to hear someone else say it, that it's not just me on Twitter to my friends and stuff and sending them videos. And they're like, who the fuck is Shaden Sharp, dude? Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Like, like, um, I, it just blows me away that to put it in perspective for me, something that comes to mind, if Shaden Sharp had that kind of rookie season, uh, when Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year, I think there'd be serious talks for rookie of the year, um, with the Blazers, I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's, you know, just a luck of the draw um, or what the heck it is. But um, with the injury stuff, I, I don't know. Like if they, I hate to say if things swung another way, but a lot of the season was just trying to get their main core of like the vets over 25 healthy so that they can make, some kind of an attempt at a run. Um, and it's, uh, just awesome to see that he didn't get lost in that. Um, yeah. the organization's vision for him didn't get lost in that. So I think that would be the biggest thing for me. 23 points a game in those, in those last, you know, stretch of games there. Um, he wasn't playing slouches. I think there was a game they went up against the Kings where the Kings were vying for different playoff positions and stuff, beat them by double digits. Um, that would be the highlight. Won't talk much about the game where they lost by double digits um, <laughs> at the end there, but yeah, like I, I really think Shaden Sharp, with this being such a pace and space game, like I was mentioning about Brogdon's rookie season, um, starting I would say really really high at that time, Brogdon's rookie season, um, the whole pace and space, obviously going back to like 2007, um, on the steady increase, and then that that high <laughs> stark increase by like 30% to the pace and space game. Um, I would say that he, he really plays the game the way you need an, 
a top three option to play the game. So with that being said, I mean, I'm just really hyped that you have a guy that can create movement and bring that off factor back to the blazers. Uh, so that when this lease is up, no, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, didn't even that, have that in my show notes about the Moda Center lease and the negotiations. I, I the did see that yeah, we're leaving that one aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really think he just brought that back to Portland. Um, so even as I, someone who's yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I interrupt you? Uh, just, I'm curious as you're, as you're saying this, cause I totally agree with you. Like he brings something back to the team and especially at his age, which they haven't had maybe since Damian Lillard actually to feel this optimistic about someone so early in his career. How did Shaden Sharp's year actually, no, let me put it this way. How do you feel about Shaden Sharp's future now compared to what you thought you might feel at the beginning of the season before he played, how did he stack up against your expectations for him? I guess just going from uh, beginning of the season, really scared for the ridicule and stuff he was going to face as a guy in college um, with no games played that entered the draft, you know, without that criteria, I think NBA fans really just, I don't even, I don't think it's, anyone in front offices, anyone in broadcasting even as much, but just fans that would ridicule him that he wasn't ready. It was a bad decision by the Blazers going into a, a decisive year for keeping the Lillard era going um, to people kind of shutting their mouths about him, <laughs> that he really um, has what it takes Um makes good decisions off the court and it, it's not just, it's not even biting the bullet to take a guy that of that um, kind of experience level. Um, that's a raw talent. If when he's working out with you, when he's interviewing with you fast forwarding to now, when he's um, making shots for you, that there are guys on the all-star team. I would, I would honestly say in certain moments can't make those shots. Obviously they make those shots a lot more than him right now. That's why they're all stars. But in certain moments, two years from now, I really could see him being one of the guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally do. And I mean, you know, for me, I'll be honest, like, it's not that I was down on Shaden Sharp. I'm pretty sure I was high on the pick, but I didn't think he was going to contribute this year much or at all, which I mean, who cares, right? He's 19 and he didn't have any college experience whatsoever. It would have been completely fine. And he would have been totally on schedule, even if he hadn't really contributed this year. And so the way I feel about it, I feel like he's way ahead of schedule for what I expected to see what he did. And I know it's a small sample size, like the last, however many games that he played in the blazers were clearly tanking. Um, but the fact that he was able to take on that workload as a first option is really impressive. And to your point earlier about like rookies of the year and stuff, like, are we really going to sit here and say that if Shaden Sharp would have been on Orlando rather than Paulo Bancaro, that Shaden Sharp would not be firmly in the rookie of the year conversation. Cause I think he definitely would have been imagine him getting all those reps and all of that on ball experience from the beginning of the year 
for a team that didn't have expectations like the magic at that time. Whereas the blazers to your point earlier, like they were trying to get their vets involved. They were trying to win games like the, whatever Joe Cronin was trying to do to start the year, which again, we can talk about that later. Phillips wanted to prove that he could coach Damian Lillard very much wanted to prove that he could still play coming off that injury the year before. And there wasn't a lot of room for Shane Sharp and he played well enough. And again, credit to Chauncey Billups for giving him those minutes, but he played well enough to prove that he could be in the rotation in the first place. And then when the opportunity is there, he took advantage of it. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very, very high in Shane Sharp. Like here comes a hot take. I think Shane Sharp's ceiling is first team all NBA. I'm curious what you think about that. I think that that honestly is about where I'm at too. Um, Let's go. Yes. Dude, like (laughs) it really, it really, it doesn't get much simpler than a guy who comes in and I, I mean, first 10, 15 games, if you weren't watching the full games, say you watched two quarters of every game, you would, you would feel like this guy fucking dunks and hits a fadeaway three in the corner every single game, every single half. Yeah. And that was with under 20 minutes easily every time. And with that level of athleticism, the <laughs> like the Brandon Roy comparisons, uh, as far as like what his trajectory could be, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think that he really has a tremendous amount standing in his way as far as, um, mentally or physically that could stop him. Um, I don't think he really cares about ridicule. I think he's having fun. I think he knows the skills he possesses. Um, and it's kind of to put it in perspective for me, I was thinking about, um, just like, like lottery picks in the past that had very high expectations like this, um, but still needed to play minutes their rookie season for the team to the team to compete with injuries and stuff. And he just, you don't hear all this hearsay about him, stuff he said, um, stuff he did off the court. You, you just don't, you just don't hear about any drama with him. He's just, he's kind of all basketball. Yeah. So I, I think anyone that comes into the league like that, at that age, I, I think the world is kind of theirs. You know what I mean? So all first team, all NBA, um, like you said, with, with the magic with Paul Banchero, Paul ben, Banchero going into the draft, this wasn't really a, a hype draft class at all. Um, and no. in hindsight, it, it kind of stacked up with a lot of guys that are like going to be really good contributors on playoff teams. Um, but not the type of draft that you would look back on in 10 years and really be thinking that, um, critics were completely wrong because there were really no critics. Um, no one said this guy's bad. This guy going into first, first round, first round pick of this draft. No one said this guy is trash. (laughs) Like no one said he's not going to live up to the hype, anything like that. Um, it's just kind of median expectations except for Shaden Sharp. (laughs) The expectations were you better come in and, 
and be all rookie, you know what I mean? Or there's going to be problems here. So, um, I think going into that, um, with this season behind him, um, I totally agree. I think, I think he really, this season was, was pivotal to anyone in who experiences the human condition to have, um, like a great second season. I really think the love he gave, he received it all back and that he's, he's going to be doing like Dame honestly, and getting better at something every off season that he wasn't, um, exceptional at yet. Yeah, I agree. That last point is, is a huge one. Uh, Casey Holdall talked about, it was either on Blazers balcony or the briefcase, both of which he either hosts or co-hosts about how much film Shaden Sharp has been watching. And then he didn't really do a lot of that in Kentucky. Definitely didn't do a lot of that in high school. Um, and that it's new for him. And that part of being an NBA player and learning the rhythm of the season is film work and watching yourself and watching others and making incremental improvements and how much that helps your game. And I think Casey was talking about how Shaden Sharp was beginning to use that knowledge in game at the end of the season. And it showed, I mean, his ability to get to the rim a little bit better, obviously his handles improving, that's a physical skill set. but his playmaking, uh, the game was already very slow for him. Like his composure was there from the beginning, but you could just see that as the primary ball handler, he was getting more and more comfortable with NBA defenses. And part of that is the film work. And so to your point, that continuous improvement during the off season. Yeah. Like I have every confidence he's going to do that. Um, let me ask one more question. We'll move on to a different topic as the blazers stand now. And I guess maybe this bleeds into a couple of the topics we're going to hit on, but for where the blazers are now and for what you have seen from Shaden sharp, are you more of an advocate that the blazers keep Shaden sharp and try to build around him and Damian Lillard? Or are you of the mindset that Shaden sharp has improved his trade value to the point that the Blazers should explore trading Shaden Sharp for a different, more veteran impact player to play with Damian Lillard. Yeah. So right now for me, um, again, excellent question that um, for me, the question mark isn't Shaden Sharp, but what is Anthony Simons going to be doing game one of next season as far as, Um, production and everything. Not that his production won't be there, but if he's going to get the minutes, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and be in the role that he looked like he was on the trajectory for, um, as far as do we need a second option right now? Because I think if you threw Shaden sharp into the second scoring option role beginning of next season, um, I think he, he would, he would battle a bit, but I think that he could figure it out. Um, in that sense, I I don't think he needs to take that role on yet in his career, as far as what his trade value is and everything. Um, I don't know who the biggest askers are currently. If there was someone to reach out about Shaden sharp, I would, I would just be kind of, kind of brainstorming here as far as, um, who might be interested. And that's pretty much any team that is still looking for someone to put next to a point guard. Um, I really don't 
know how the Mavericks missed out on him. Truth be told when they went for Kyrie, I, <laughs> I don't think they needed the, um, I don't think they needed that, uh, level of ball possession to go on their offense. But I also don't think that the Blazers were willing to give him up for anything. The Mavericks would even have. So I don't think it would ever be a conversation, but, um, as far as, as far as him, staying on the Blazers, I would right now be very neutral. (laughs) Um, if I were the Blazers and, um, willing to see what the entropy that is free agency brings, but I, I would have to think Dame and the, the franchise and personally myself, I think I would always say that, um, no matter what it is, you gotta, you gotta give the kid a chance that, um, that you seriously weigh before you get rid of not just an asset, but someone who can alter the history of your franchise. I'm just curious if you are, you're Rob Cronin. Okay. So you're the Blazers GM and you're taking calls during the summer. What level of player coming back to Portland? Are you willing to accept for a trade package that includes Shaden sharp? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask, like, are you, are you letting him go for like a, like a Jimmy Butler type, like right around all-star level, kind of older veteran, or maybe someone like OG Ananobi, who's kind of like, again, like a not quite an all-star level wing. Um, are you letting Shane Sharp go for that? Or are you like, no, I'm not trading him unless it's for like a super duper impact player, like a Joel Embiid, not that he's going to be available, but like, let's say the Sixers flame out and whatever. But like, so if you're Joe Cronin, you're Rob Cronin, are you letting Shane Sharp go? Well, yeah. What's the level of player that you're going to need to see in return for a Shane Sharp trade? Just out of curiosity. Well, I, I guess for me, um, it's kind of, it's kind of a challenge to, uh, trade for a key front court piece with a key back back court piece moving forward. Um, I know we need an upgrade in the front court. Um, I know we don't know what the H is happening with Jeremy Grant next year. As far as correct me if I'm wrong, the contract stuff. Um, I know I miss out on it a little bit, but I believe uh, he he's thinking about testing for agency. Yeah, he didn't didn't accept an extension. He's an unrestricted free agent, but the reporting that we have seems to indicate that he's at a minimum like very open to coming back to Portland. I think that there's a I think there's a wink and a nod. I think I think Jeremy Grant and Dame and Chauncey Billups and Joe Cronin, I think I think they're all on the same page. I so all to say, yes, he's unrestricted, but I think Jeremy Grant's gonna be back, is my take on it personally. Yeah, so um to see the level of kind of kind of loyalty to each other, not so much this particular, Oh, I play for this team out of the 30 in the NBA, but like each other as a brotherhood Nurkic saying, you know, I I don't plan on going anywhere, you know, essentially, um, unless they were to move me, they, if they want me here, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that too, if, you know, being Cronin (laughs) for a day, um, if you have this kind of like band of brothers, there's a lot of chemistry at stake and there are only a few guys out there that Damian Lillard, I think has that brotherhood with to the point of, um, 
wanting to move forward than who he has now. You know what I mean? As far as there's guys he's reached out to, there's guys that have been talked about biggest one being Jalen Brown right now. I would honestly say for the future of the blazers and right now, Jalen Brown is probably the only guy that I would move him for. Um, and I think it's going to yeah. take a while yeah. for Shaden sharps. Um, you know, uh, I guess trade value to kind of jump up a bit. I think because he's such a piece of um, not at all, like, you know, let it, let it simmer over time, but just steady, steady, steady up and up and up almost every month that um, it would, it would have to take the right timing as far as, is it the towards the end of all the trade talks over the summer when the Celtics realize um, they need a guy that can bring something different that Boston hasn't had, which is just freaking run the shit out of the floor with this kid that will do anything for you on the floor um, that it would take that. So to me, that's the, the only one I personally as Cronin <laughs> uh, would, would, would want to throw some other pieces at a lot of other pieces at actually. Um, and then obviously I don't think anyone's going to do a trade until they see what our pick is. So that, so that would weigh into it too. That's a good, that's a good take. And I, I think that's where I'm at. Like, I do think there's a disconnect between the value that, that I think Shaden Sharp has and, and maybe that the Blazers organization and Shaden Sharp's value around the league, because yeah, like, yeah, he's super young. He has a lot of potential, but he's not, you know, proven that he can be at what we think his ceiling is going to be. But yeah, for me, if it's not Jalen Brown, um, you know, bona fide all-star, you know, good at defense, like a wing size player, not super old or Joel Embiid, I would do it for Joel Embiid too. I mean, MVP candidate who's 28 years old, like injury history aside. Um, I don't think either of those deals even come close to happening. If I'm Boston or Philly, I'm not picking up the phone on something like that, but like, Pascal Siakam, that's, you know, or like an OG and or even like a Carl Anthony towns. That's not enough for me to move off of Shaden Sharp. I have such faith in his ability to, to get to his ceiling. Um, and I think his ceiling is very, 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 very high. And I think he can be really useful next year. Like to, you, you were saying earlier, like, could he be a second option next to Damian Lillard? Yeah, I think he'd, he'd struggle in that for sure. But I think that he would probably figure it out over some number of games, um, because he showed that he could do that this year again, small sample size, but man, we could talk about shade and shark for like another hour. Uh, and we already kind of rambled through like 25 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's move on actually to, I'm going to give you your option as we're thinking about the season that the blazers just had and how it affects them moving forward. So we had talked about like putting the blazers in the context of other NBA teams, um, we could talk about Chauncey Billups as coaching. We could talk about Joe Cronin as a GM, the moves he made and what he might do. Or we could talk about Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons. Um, of those, is there any one of those that, as I'm saying them now, kind of jumps out to you as somewhere you'd like to hang out for a few minutes and chat about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you said, I think uh, if anyone had you, like how you mentioned, um, anyone, you know, who would 
like to try podcasting and everything, definitely reach out to either one of us. Um, maybe a good place to start is just a shade and sharp episode. And (laughs) yeah, for sure. So very easy to uh, talk about and super fun, (laughs) which is a good time. Honestly, I, I think, I think a blend of all of it really just that, um, I think it, it coincides, you know, Damon Ant's relationship, um, really, uh, how Billups plays the guys that, um, can, can kind of like carry or carry their own weight against the stars of the NBA. Um, and from, from there, just kind of like the other NBA teams being that, um, we see these guys, some of them five, six times a year. And, um, for some reason we seem to play against them all in a way that is different from the last time we played them, whether it be better or worse. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It just, it just, uh, didn't seem consistent to me. Well, let me, let me just ask, I'll give it, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, and maybe we can treat this kind of like a lightning round almost, but Chauncey Billups, Again, let's say you're Rob Cronin. Okay. You're the GM and this guy is under contract for two more guaranteed years. Now, to be fair, I don't think he's making that much. I think what's been reported is that he's one of the lower paid coaches in the league, but we know that Jody Allen is a bit of a penny pincher and probably doesn't want to pay money that she doesn't have to, um, which, you know, whatever. But if you are Joe Cronin has, Chauncey Billups uh, showed you enough and are his relationships with the players strong enough, which is important by the way, Um, has Chauncey Billups shown enough and has he demonstrated his kind of cohesion with the players in the organization uh, to the point that you want to bring Chauncey Billups back? I guess what I'm asking you, Blazers GM, Rob Cronin, uh, are you moving on from Chauncey Billups after the season? Are you letting him uh, get another shot at it with potentially a more talented team and potentially a healthier team? I, I think it really, um, for me personally, um, I know uh, Blazers Twitter would probably disagree. I think that uh, Chauncey Billups is a basketball mind that if they were to go and try to, sign a guy, like you said, penny pinching, uh, they're, they're not going to want to, not going to want to sign them. Unfortunately. Now listen um, here, pal, I'm going to, no, <laughs> I really think that for what he's able to do as far as get guys to invest on both ends of the floor. And I think it was seen with, <clears throat> excuse me, how much Eubanks played, even when Nurkic was healthy. Um, if, if a guy's trotting down the court, I I don't think he's going to get the minutes he did under Terry Stotts. I'm not calling Nurkic out. I love Nurkic, <laughs> but I, I just think that the way he approaches it, while it is very Pistons championship era <laughs> that he played in ask, I think that it's not a bad, it's not a bad mindset as far as um, frustrating other teams, getting in their head and, to coincide with that, keeping, I would say with promoting, keeping Billups another year, um, is my stance that, that last off season, they needed, they needed two starting pieces and they, they got one and one, they 
probably were 50 50 on keeping for more than half the season in Josh Hart. Um, unfortunately. So for me, I think it's back at, um, if there's not, if there's not one more piece for him to work with, then what was a team that probably 10 of those games kind of just got the luck of it to even have the record they had, um, that, it's it's got to kind of start somewhere else with the um, way they approach, and they're they're gonna put it on the coach. I think when Terry Stotts was here, um, he he had ample uh, beginnings as far as who they were getting in and everything. And for whatever reason, it, it just kind of um, he didn't get the support towards the end. And then I think he kind of um, didn't. I don't think he was all in at that point personally. So for me, yeah, I just hope that, yeah. that doesn't happen with Billups. Cause it seems like he really cares about the, the players, the organization, the, the city. So yourself, yeah, I, I, I appreciate your take. Cause as a noted Chauncey Billups detractor that I am, um, I think you bring up a lot of good points and I will start with the first one that you just said about what I, something I call organizational continuity, do your players and your coach and your GM and your owner, is everyone on the same page? Yes or no. And I do think that the Blazers have that right now. And they also, by the way, I said this about Neil Olshay, who I did not like at all. I said, one good thing about Neil Olshay is that there is organizational continuity from Damian Lillard, especially to Terry Stotts, to Olshay, to ownership. And I do think that you have that here with Billups too. And I do think that matters. And also to your point, I do think that Billups defensive philosophy if he were given the right players to do it with, I think that it does work in theory. Now, personally, I don't think we've seen it happen in practice. In fact, there was a really good Reddit thread that again, like confirmation bias is what it is. Right. So whenever I see something, it's like anti billups I'm like, Oh yeah, that's it. And if I see something, it's pro billups I like, you know, I try to nitpick or whatever or whatever, but basically it showed the lineups that the blazers had, with the very same players under Terry Stotts and then under Chauncey Billups until a handful of them ended up getting traded midseason, And with the same players, Chauncey Billups was not able to get as good of a defense as Stotts was. Now, to be fair, I think that what Billups asks his players to do is a little bit headier, a little bit more cerebral and ask players to do more, frankly, on defense, ask them to think a little bit more. And I think that's fair. So um, all to say, I definitely appreciate your take. I think that because especially Chauncey Billups doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. People like me uh, have to start looking at the bright side of him being here for at least another year, because I think that's, what's going to end up happening. Um, And I look, I'm curious to see what Chauncey Billups can do with, with a better, more talented roster. And to Joe Cronin's credit, Joe Cronin said in exit interviews, I didn't deal Chauncey Billups a very good hand. Um, which is actually maybe a perfect segue. Again, I, I know we're kind of running out of time, but quickly back to you. What is your take on Joe Cronin and his performance as a GM so far? And particularly for what you think he's put himself in position to do either this off season or beyond. I'm just curious what your take is on, on how Joe Cronin's done so far. I would, I would, um, I would probably be at a, at a firm B. Um, I don't know about yourself, 
so the thing that's the thing that's the hardest for me to kind of wrap my head around and and process and and explore is that um this franchise continues after dame is here um and with that that it does i, I mean I hopefully think, <laughs> the team doesn't yeah. get moved but yeah definitely <laughs> like we were saying um i think with the future of say it you know um five years from now i think lillard is i think lillard is going to stay for quite some time but that is probably um based on just that the fact that he's willing to um give enough on the court um granted it goes beyond that to talent and the pieces around you that they can compete for a playoff spot in those years um i don't see them having a year honestly regardless of who they get in the off season where they win 10 games you know what i mean they're not they're not they're not pistons magic bad <laughs> um they're yeah. they're in a hopeful place right now so for me him looking as a as the position he's in um taking over for O'Shea and everything that um realistically i think the next 5 years um he has his head in the right mindset of I don't think he's concerned right now about when Dame leaves, but keeping a roster in place, regardless of what your star point guard wants it to be. Um, but also in light of, in lieu of that, but balancing those two things um, that, you know, I'd say a B just because the pieces he's brought in and kept are great pieces to bring in and keep rather than the ones that he, you know, brought in and got rid of. So, um, I would, I would say about a B, um, just with, just with going into whatever he does with bringing in something in the front court this off season. What about yourself? Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, my grade is incomplete. I mean, I tend to be with you that if I had to grade it, it would be something slightly above average and specifically because, and again, like you or anyone else can disagree with the the premise of my opinion or the things that I believe to be true that then inform my opinion. Um, so what I believe to be true is that Olshay didn't make the moves necessary to build a contender around Damian Lillard, that he slightly mortgaged the Blazers future in order to maximize wins of a middling team. And that kind of thing takes time to undo and that whether it was going to be Joe Cronin or anyone else, that that GM would have the work to do to kind of untangle what Olshay had put the Blazers in, in position to do. And that, you know, clearly it's been now two years of the Blazers, regardless of whatever bullshit they've said before the season, they have not been a serious team. And my hope is that they've been honest with Damian Lillard about that. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Um, it seems like Joe Cronin and Dame are on the same page right now in this moment, which I think is very good. And that page is we're trying to now get better and maximize Damian Lillard's prime. Damian Lillard wants to be here and he wants to win. He doesn't want to be on a crappy team. He doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team. And, you know, as he told Chris Haynes, he doesn't even want to be on like a middling team. He wants to be on a contender. So that I think the last two years of what Joe Cronin has done 
has been deconstructing the past to put them in the position that they're at now. So incomplete grade because it comes down to this summer, doesn't it? I mean, so they have a, you know, a guaranteed top eight pick likely to be, you know, either uh, seven or six um, or potentially top four. And so they have that very valuable pick. They have the Knicks pick, which I think is 20. You would know better than me. Was it, is it like 23 this year or something like that? I do believe that, but surprisingly I'm on the same pace as you were. Oh, come on, man. You're just, a Knicks fan. Give me a break. No, okay. So, so the Blazers I that, have. I know that the Mavericks uh, are paying a pretty penny right now for the dilemma with the Knicks, Knicks pick. So, but I, yeah. I don't know the, the pick. <laughs> Hey, at least we're not Mavericks fans. That franchise is in trouble. Anyway, uh, seriously. Um, so the, the Blazers have one mildly valuable pick and then one very, very valuable pick, which could end up being Victor Wembanyama. which like, I can't even get my hopes up for that man. If that, if that happens, the Blazers different podcast, different day. My point is they also have Anthony Simons, who's a really young player who's shown a lot of promise, who's on a very reasonable contract. I think it's something like 30 million ish a year, which given where the cap is now and where it's going to go, uh, no less than that, quite a bit less than that. Actually, um, Anthony Simons is being paid 24, 25 and 27 million respectively through 2026. Uh, remember that Anthony Simons is still 23 years old. So that's a value contract for a young player. They also have Shaden Sharp, uh, an extremely talented, super high ceiling player on a rookie scale deal. Um, so the Blazers have those positive assets to trade. Yusuf Nurkic is a mildly negative asset at this point, but his contract at least could be filler. Um, and then the Blazers don't have a ton outside of that as far as how to swing trades, but they have enough to get one or two impact players and to build around that. So all I'm trying to say is, yeah, I, I appreciate what Joe Cronin has had to do. I think it would have been easier if Joe Cronin had come in and Damian Lillard were not here and all of his job would have been to do would be to just tear it down, right? Sell the assets. Or maybe if, if like Dame demanded the trade, he just traded Dame right away, like whatever. But what Joe Cronin's trying to do is trying to, undo some of the decisions in the past and also build around Dame at the same time. It's a tough needle to thread. So yeah, we'll see. It's this summer for me. Like, um, and I'm also like, I don't know how you feel. Like, are you like, how do you feel about Damian Lillard? And then we'll, we'll get out of here after this, but like, are you one of the people that would prefer to see the team trade Damian Lillard now that his value is quite a bit higher than it was last year coming off injury had the best season of his career all NBA level player, whether or not he makes the team. Are you one of the people who would prefer to see the team trade Damian Lillard to start a rebuild? Or are you one of the people who would like to see the Blazers keep Damian Lillard build around him and hopefully have Portland build statues of him and have him retire here? Where do you stand on the Damian Lillard thing? Well, I would, I would be in the latter group you mentioned. Um, I think the correct group. Absolutely. I think <laughs> that, uh, thank you. I think that we're coming up on as far as contribution to the final score of the game for a team. I think we're coming up on Damian Lillard's, I would say peak season. A lot of people say peak season in the sense of 
like stat production and everything. But I think that he's playing the best basketball granted the bubble. Yes. Um, was not a great sample size. And, um, obviously before that with the run to the conference finals, um, against the warriors. Um, but I just, the way he, the way he was, he, he did what he usually does, which is around the second half of the season, he starts putting up first in the entire league points per game averages, um, as well as facilitating 12, 11, 13 assists a game. Um, but I think next season is honestly, and I don't want to touch on it too much. I know we got to get going here, but, um, the villain season for Dame, as far as stay or leave. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I know in one of his rap verses, he was mentioning, I forget the exact lyric, but it was like, they want me to go to the Lakers. Fuck that loyalty shit. So that's a little cryptic. I don't know. I don't know what that means, Um, but I would, I would be on this side of keep that motherfucker Um, because if you don't, he's, he's going to have a 95 point game on you with the Lakers next year. Yeah. He's going Uh, after Wilt's record at that point. If that's what ends (laughs) up happening. Uh, Yeah, man, I look my take and and we could, again, this could be its own podcast. The Portland Trailblazers have never had a player in the history of the franchise who's all NBA and wants to actually be there. Name the player. (laughs) Bill Walton didn't want to stay. Clyde Drexler didn't want to stay. Marcus Aldridge left. Look, they have never had a player like this. You need to have him stay and build statues of this guy. You can start your 11th franchise rebuild at any other time. You don't need to do it now. So for me, like, the connection to Portland, he obviously really appreciates the Pacific Northwest and being in Portland. That matters a lot more than I think people understand, especially, I mean, you said earlier, like bridging the generational gap between someone like Shaden Sharp and Damian Lillard, bringing fans in. He's been there for 11 years, having him be there for 15, 16, 17 years. And the number of fans who would have grown up watching Damian Lillard at some point, maybe then taking their own kids to a Blazers game, be like, I, I was, I was a teenager watching him play. You can't put a price on that. So like, I I think that that matters, honestly, the, on a, on a business level too, like Blazers attendance has pretty, pretty healthily overshot expectations given how small the city Portland is for a while. And I think Damian Lillard is a huge part of that. So all to say, definitely don't trade Dame. You can always rebuild later. Um, uh, let me just say this really quick before we get out of here. Um, we are recording uh, as the 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 West first round game between the Warriors and Kings is just wrapping up. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it is coming down to the wire in Sacramento. I'm so proud of the Kings. I'm so happy for their fans. Um, I'm so glad they're back in the playoffs for the first time since God knows when. Uh, but before we get out of here, is there anything else you wanted to share or say uh, about this last Blazers season? Um, well, other than uh, trade Wambinana for pick for Sabonis, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, are we getting prime uh, Arvidas too? Yeah, if we could get both Demontis and Arvidas in, in his prime, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, that's another, I mean, again, for another day, Conditional like, rights to future son of DeMontis. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what they should have done with Arvidas when he came over from the USSR in 1995. Um, 
Yeah. Imagine a prime Arvidas with like Clyde and Terry, whatever. It doesn't matter. All right, Rob, man, I appreciate you. It was super fun to chat. And obviously this is like a huge off season for the Blazers. I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about and we'll get you back on when Ryan's actually here at some point in the not too distant future for sure. But uh, until then, where can people uh, find you if they wanted to like chat with you or chat Blazers with you or anything like that? Yeah. So um, I'm actually in um, Brandon's discord for the show. Um, I think he has the link for the show on Twitter. Not and, my show um, anymore. It's Keith's uh, and, uh, uh, no, it's okay. Got to let it fly at some point. Uh, Keith and, and Chris Burkhart do a great job in the trail clusters and yeah, their discord. That's a good point. I don't usually have a link to that. Uh, maybe I'll throw one in this episode, but anyway, sorry, continue. Yes. We are in the trail casters discord for sure. Yeah. And, um, it's at Rob underscore Heth on, uh, Twitter. Um, I'm currently, like I said, I, I left uh, blazing the path over the winter and, um, looking to join another network, honestly. So, um, if anyone is interested in starting a show, um, knows of an opportunity, they just don't know the means for like editing and all that stuff. Um, I, I'd love to help out and, and see where the future goes with that. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. Didn't want to sidetrack from the question you asked with the Sabonis comment, but, uh, only thing I'd like to add about the blazer season is, um, at the end of the day, I hope, uh, that all you blazer fans out there, uh, really just appreciate all that is Dame while he's here and, um, just look forward to, you know, summer league as far as seeing action on the court again. That's really what it's all about. Um, and not not hating the decisions too much because there's probably going to be a couple to hate <laughs> so thanks thanks again for having me on it was a blast yeah man and i agree with you let's all just enjoy it and especially now that the, the season is kind of unwound let's have a second and just feel good right uh yeah i'm with you on that um unrestricted free agent rob hetherington appreciate you thanks man <laughs> take it easy brother thanks again Thank you again to Rob Hetherington for joining the pod. I forgot to do the outro, so here it is now. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do that at welikeTheBlazers.com. You can also find us on Twitter at LikeTheBlazers. You can find Ryan at the Witty Whitledge. Why do I keep stumbling on that and thinking that's not his Twitter handle? It definitely is. And I think you can find Rob at Rob underscore Heth. That's Rob underscore H-E-T-H. Appreciate him being on the show. Uh, there's one more. We like the blazers at gmail.com. All of that. We are excited to come at you with some more podcasts before the draft lottery, uh, before the draft itself. Obviously, the playoffs are happening. Congratulations to the Kings who just beat the Warriors in game one in their series. Light the beam. Uh, and we will be bringing you that and a lot more in the coming weeks and months. So until next time, I appreciate you all. Thank you and go Blazers.